Hey, podcasters, don't forget that you can join us, Gun Talk, over on Facebook. You can share your pictures, your stories, ask questions, all kinds of stuff. Now, stay tuned for good training right here on Gun Talk. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, high-capacity talk radio. Hello and welcome back to Gun Talk. Tom Gresham here. We are, I tell you, we're set up to have a great show today. Lots and lots of things to talk about. Just, uh, you cannot believe all of the action that is taking place right now on the gun rights front. Lots of things going on that you may have anticipated and a few things that you never would have imagined. Very clever operations. One we're going to be talking about is PSYOPs, uh, as we you know, used to hear about in Vietnam Day, psychological operations done by gun rights folks against some folks who don't like guns. Absolutely hysterical, that story. We'll be talking about that as we go along. And some pretty interesting stuff cooking in the form of lawsuits filed by, well, uh, actually by the attorney who won the McDonald case and the Heller case in front of the Supreme Court. There is a plan, and they are working the plan. Lots of cool things coming up. By the way, excuse me, let me give a gun talk shout out and a welcome to some stations that have joined us in the last, oh, few weeks. WERC 960 AM and WERC 105.5 FM in Birmingham, Alabama. We sure do welcome the folks in Birmingham. Also in Altoona, Pennsylvania, WRTA 1240 AM. Great station. And starting out right now, this weekend, WTKI 1450 AM in Huntsville, Alabama, also broadcasting on 92.9 FM. Welcome to all of you. Our number here is 866 866- Six eight two five five four eight six. But good grief, it's just easier if you just dial one Tom Talk Guns. One Tom Talk Guns, and that'll get you in here. It is always a pleasure to have some of your good friends join us. You can well do the same thing we do when we're not on the air. We talk. Guns, And one of our good friends is Gila Hayes from the Firearms Academy of Seattle. And Gila has agreed to join us and have a little fun today. Hey, Gila, how you doing? Well, hello, Tom. Thank you so much for inviting me on your program. Always a pleasure. It is, uh, whether we're doing TV or just shooting or shooting the bull like we're doing right now, it's always fun, isn't it? Yes, it is. I enjoy every time that I get to speak with you. We ought to at least tell people uh, what the Firearms Academy of Seattle is and give a little background about that before we get into any kind of nuts and bolts so they'll know, well, frankly, where you're coming from. All righty, Tom. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Firearms Academy of Seattle is uh, a training facility. We started uh, teaching in the Seattle area many, many years ago, and when I say we, that would be uh, my husband who founded the business, and uh, I came along a few years after that and, and joined up and uh, was an avid student and eventually had um, been given so many great opportunities that, that I wanted to begin sharing what I had been taught as well, and so we began, um, both of us, uh, teaching. And then we uh, eventually purchased some land about 100 miles south of Seattle because we wanted to expand the range facility. And so sometimes people are a little bit uh, surprised to find that we still maintain the name, but that's what we were known as. And, right. And uh, uh, the school has just grown and grown. And, in fact, we're having just a tremendous year, um, just about can't put enough classes on to fill the 
to fill the demand and, and bless the people's hearts. You know, they've gotten guns and uh, perhaps been concerned about availability or just their own safety and well-being. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of just getting guns and saying, okay, I'm okay now, um, they've realized that they needed to know how to use them. And, and we we just think the world of our, of our clients. First. Well, you know, it is wonderfully refreshing and reassuring to hear that a lot of people who have purchased guns for self-defense now are getting the concept that they need training. And, you know, you and I have talked about this at length, and I go on and on because I know that people, some people get it, and some people still don't know what you're talking about when you say training is not necessarily knowing how to shoot small groups or knowing how to hit the target. When self-defense, that's part of it, but it might even be argued that that's the smaller part of it. Would that be fair? I think so much of our ability to stay safe initially and our ability to deal with uh, someone who comes at us with evil intent, it, it begins in the mind, and it begins in having mm-hmm. worked these things out in your head ahead of time and, and knowing what's right for you from an emotional or a moral component. Um, so those questions aren't there when you're trying to decide what you're going to do to save your life from, from this person who's decided that what he wants is more valuable than your survival. Well, exactly. It's a very serious decision to make. And I've actually had people call the show and say, well, I want to get a gun, and you know, what kind of gun should I get, what kind of ammo and all that. And I say, well, let's talk training, and have them actually say, well, I don't really want to go shoot it. And my answer is always real simple. Then you are not allowed to have a gun. <laughs> and they go, what? I said, no. You, you can't just buy a gun and it makes all the evil go away. If you buy a gun and you don't get any training... Honestly, I think you're worse off than if you had no gun. Well, there's so many facets to this thing, and I suppose it's not just the world of the gun, but that's the one that we're in. Right. There's there's the equipment, and there's there's a whole commercial side to that. We've got got dozens of magazines that that feed that, and bless mm-hmm. your hearts, I've worked in that genre. <laughs> we, we, we've both written for those to. magazines, yes. And and it, it's a it's a good educational um, arm, if you will, but it also tends to fuel the gunlust side of things where, where the focus becomes on the equipment, not on the operator. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the hardware, the gear, and I think if I get the cool gear, then I'm good to go. And, you know, frankly, that's one of the things that you and I have been able to do on television with uh, Personal Defense TV and the things we've done there is to explain to people and show them, okay, here's some things that you need to know. When I go to the Firearms Academy of Seattle, I never know what I'm going to get into because you and Marty have a way of saying, well, Tom, have you thought of this? And usually it's not something I've thought of. Uh, like when you make me go shoot in pitch black. And I'm talking about not being able to see the gun or the sights or anything. And it works because you got a way of teaching that stuff. Well, it's it's real-world applications, and that's not necessarily the pretty things, and it'll go back to something that you said a few minutes ago, that preparation for self-defense is so much more than just being able to shoot a one ragged whole group uh, on, on your target. And that's not, that's not to downgrade that ability. It's right. a wonderful physical skill, and we compliment everybody who's raised their uh, abilities to that level. But it, it is a lot more than that. It's the thinking aspect. It's the reacting aspect. It's being able to deal with targets that move 
being able to deal with you moving while you're shooting, all kinds of things. Yeah, sorting out a changing situation in a real-world, life-threatening situation. Hold on a second here, Gila. Take a quick break. We're talking with Gila Hayes from the Firearms Academy of Seattle. On the web, it's just simply firearmsacademy.com. To reach us, 1-866-TALK-GUNS. I'm Tom Gresham. This is Gun Talk. Imagine a pistol that can easily adapt to fit any hand size. A pistol you can quickly take down for maintenance without any tools. Now imagine this pistol has all the -the out-of-the-box accuracy and reliability of a Sig Sauer. Stop imagining and start shooting the new P250 from Sig Sauer. The P250 gives you the flexibility to change caliber, grip size, slide length, and trigger at will. It's the one gun that changes everything. Learn more at SigSauer.com. That's S-I-G-S-A-U-E-R.com. Hey, want to get that huge Brownells catalog for free? Now you can get this source for parts, cleaning products, gunsmith supplies, and tools for just a phone call. Brownells is famous for selection, service, and satisfaction. Tell them you heard about it on Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, and they'll send it to you for free. Call 1-800-741-0015. The Brownells Catalog for free. 1-800-741-0015. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your eyeball rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true-set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, it's stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the eyeball rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. All right, welcome back to Gun Talk. During the break, Jim and I are talking about uh, this drill that uh, Marty Hayes had me doing. We're talking with uh, Gila Hayes from the Firearms Academy of Seattle. Uh, Marty was doing a thing where he had me shooting with my eyes closed. It's a great drill, Gila, because one of the things that got it made the point to me is that, yes, you can actually do this, but it pointed out to me of how much sometimes we concentrate on look at the sights, and we forget the trigger manipulation. If you take the sights out of it completely, you're shooting little groups with your eyes closed. It was crazy. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to make two points off of that because it's, it's, that's some pretty rich soil there. Um, for, first and foremost, we do. We get so focused on the sights, and I think that that comes out of our beginning training where mm-hmm. we're trying to give the poor beginning student everything that they need to know about it, and we do. We put a lot of emphasis on sights at that point. But I have become convinced, and I can I can very well remember my epiphany um, came during a class that I was taking with Ken Hackathorn, mm-hmm. and Hackathorn 
said, and I don't remember the percentage that he said, that, that he thought that, that our ability to shoot accurately was heavily weighted uh, towards trigger manipulation and, and really downplayed the role of the, of the uh, you know, of using the sights at that point. Mm-hmm. And I have borrowed that from Ken and used that an awful lot as an instructor myself, and I, I am firmly convinced um, that, that Ken is right. But I think that, that the business with the sights is important for us to know how to use the sights on the pistol, and there's oh, certain certainly. times where we've got to be able to make that kind of precision alignment um, because we don't know what kind of self-defense situation we may find ourselves right, in. Right, and, um, and, I, and I hasten to add that this is a training exercise that we're talking about and done only when you have an instructor right there who can, you know, if you should happen to be pointing in the wrong direction, your instructor can reach out and get a hold of that gun. I mean, literally one foot away from you. It, it's a training exercise. We're not recommending that you go out and shoot with your eyes closed all the time. No. And, and having said that, one of the roles that training fills so necessarily is the building of confidence. Mm-hmm. And so by by that drill or by low-light drills where you only have limited use of your sights uh, or by as the great, um, and, and God bless him, I'm glad that we knew him while he was alive, Jim Cirillo would actually put tape over your sights during segments of his training classes because all of that work is designed to wean you away from feeling like you've got to see a perfect sight picture before you can take that accurate shot. And the end result of having gone through those kinds of training experiences is an increase in confidence. What do we know about who predators choose to attack and who they choose to leave alone? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. more confident you are, the less likely you That's are it. to be chosen. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to switch. I'd lo- we-, we could talk about that for a while, and I'd love to. But let me ask you, uh, you teach a lot of women's classes are you seeing more interest on the part of women in getting more training and, and getting guns? Well, Tom, I think that that has grown uh, at the same ratio as as the surge in interest in okay. gun ownership that we've enjoyed over the last three or four years. Uh, Firearms Academy has always had a good, strong segment uh, of the women's market and and so I don't know that we've seen an increase of it. We've been blessed that for years we've had strong female participation uh, in in this particular school. Right. Uh, however, uh, when the citizenry realized that they needed to begin buying guns and and being able to take care of themselves, and we're concerned that the um, the president might lead a drive if, to if he could their rights, if, if he as, could as he would we were worried about yes. this four years ago right. um that 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 percentage of women uh to the men coming to our school certainly didn't drop off so it wasn't overwhelmed by that uh women are understanding that they've got to be their first line of defense well, exactly. Now, I guess we probably should point out that you are, in fact, a book author as well. You might just tell people about your books while we're here. Well, thank you, Tom. I was lucky um, a couple of years ago. In fact, <laughs> the, the timing could not have been worse, but I, I grabbed the brass ring anyway. Uh, we had just started a second business endeavor, the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, and I was up to my eyeballs in, in launching that when, God bless them, the folks from... Um, the Gun Digest folks, Krause Publications, mm-hmm. one of their editors called and said that he wanted in the worst way to get a women-focused book in their book lineup, and was I interested in working with them? Well, I had had that dream for many years. I was self-published prior to that, and uh, 
I, <laughs> with his help in those difficult uh, uh, overworked times, yeah, we did. We managed to um, reformat and update and rework what had before been effective defense, and they put it out uh, with the, all the new material, and we did. We added things about uh, safety for youth and campus safety, which we felt like was an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, tasers, for example, which I hadn't delved into before, and just updated everything that was in there uh, under the title of Personal Defense for Women. We have that We have that listed on our website, by the way. If people want to take a look at it or if they want to order it, they go to guntalk.com slash Tom's Picks, because that's definitely uh, one of my picks. So, Well, thank you, Tom. That's really kind of you. We've got it set up. Make it easy there. Well, tell me, what you know. what are you guys working on right now at the Fires Academy of Seattle? Well, right now we're just in the, the middle of what I will tell you in all honesty is the biggest training year we have ever had. And, you know, a few few days ago I was going somewhere with my husband. We were running an errand, and I, I turned and looked at him, and I said, you know, it's remarkable that in some very challenging economic times uh, overall for our nation that our two businesses are just booming. <laughs> and and it's, it, it is ironic. Uh, but I, I really think what it speaks to is that there's just tremendous demand out there from everybody from first-time gun owners to people who are five or six years into their uh, trip down to the path to people who have had guns for their whole life. And I think all of these folks are saying, I wish I knew more about the the defensive application of this. In fact, uh, I've got two classes going on this weekend, so there's about 20 folks out here split between a couple of classes. One's a rifle class, one's a handgun class. And the instructors from the handgun class were checking in with me after the session yesterday evening, and uh, they said they have a fellow there who's a lifetime bullseye shooter, and that man is skilled at bullseye. But he's understood, and I think that he's the example here of the kind of folks that we're, that we're serving. He has understood that the slow, deliberate presentation and perfect side alignment, perfect trigger pull may not be the thing that he needs if somebody comes after him with so, intent mm-hmm. to harm him. He's an excellent shooter, but he understands that being an excellent shooter really is not the skill that you're looking for here when it comes to self-defense. That I'm really glad to hear that. It's it's uh, something I've been talking about for many many years, and every once in a while you wonder are people getting the difference when you people say, "Well, I've been shooting all my life." I say, "Yes," and that prepares you for absolutely nothing when it comes to self-defense. In fact. I mean, you're the trainer. You see it all the time. There are instances, I'm sure, where that actually can work against you because I've been shooting all my life, but I don't have any training in this, and I may bring bad habits here or misconceptions. How would that be? I think the term even might be a false confidence. Ah. And and you see that coming out of competition, and I need to be careful here because I cut my teeth in competitive shooting, and I wouldn't give away that time for anything. Um, If anything, I wish I had my weekends free to still continue to to do it, um, but uh, but you've you've got to be able to separate the game from from the real life, and that may mean in real life and in training for real life being satisfied with slightly looser groups in order to get that speed up to where it should be. Well, yeah, as, as one of the traders pointed out to me, said, "Look, if you shoot a group that's two inches, that's great." But in a self-defense situation, if you shoot a group that's five inches or six inches and they're all center of mass and they stop the bad guy, there's absolutely no difference in score between shooting a one-hole group or shooting a five- or six-inch group. They are all equally effective. 
great wisdom there. The bad guys don't have scorecards, and you know, thank goodness, because we don't we don't want to trivialize that. But yeah, no, but but the, the, exactly the right. Being, the, the point being, you need to get shots on target. And there's a lot of things going on. There are other things that, and you know, we're just not going to have time to cover them all. Uh, <laughs> where you talk about how to carry, what to do in a police stop. I mean, Marty, of course, being a longtime police officer before you doing this this work, can talk to you about okay, what do you do in a traffic stop? What do you do if you have a an encounter with a law enforcement officer and you're, you've got your concealed carry. There are things you should do, things that you may be required to do, and things you absolutely do not want to do. And, you know, that's the kind of training you talk about also. Well, and I think that that's why, why we are so blessed in America today that there are so many regional and local training organizations that people can go to mm-hmm. where people on the ground, people who live in that same community with them, can speak to those customs and those practices because you know as well as I do that a traffic stop conducted out here in Lewis County, Washington is going to be considerably different than a traffic stop conducted in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania or some yep. large town, and I'm not picking on any particular locale, no, but, but, but we you're all right. know that they're different, get done differently. different cultures. Law enforcement has different cultures. People say, well, that's not the law. I say, yeah, but that's the culture of that police department. And, uh, Second half of this hour, we're going to be talking about a, you may have heard of this uh, tough situation that just popped up in uh, Las Vegas where a concealed carry holder got shot and killed by the police uh, just this past week or about three or four days ago. We'll be talking about that. And what do you do when you have an encounter with the police? Gila, we're out of time. Give out your website again, please. Um, www.firearmsacademy, that's F-I-R-E-A-R-M-S-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot com. And thank you so much for the time, Tom. It's been so much it's fun talking to you. always fun, and thank you. Please uh, say hello to Marty, and for those that uh, check out the Firearms Academy of Seattle and the website, and uh, just lots of things going on. These are some sharp, sharp trainers. Thank you so much, Gila. Thank you, you t- Tom. It's always fun. All righty. Our number, 866-TALK-GUNS. Yes, we had a... Um, I, I want to say incident, but it's more than that. A fella who had a carry permit and by all reports was a good upstanding West Point graduate shot and killed by the police in Las Vegas. A lot of questions about that. A lot of questions about what happened, what each of the parties should or should not have done. We'll be talking about that. Also going to be talking about, well, some of these lawsuits that are going on. And we're taking your calls, 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. And hey, Joy, you dropped off. If you're hearing me, call us back. I do want to hear that story. That's particularly interesting. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. The best guns, the best guests, the best talk. And we're back with you. Tom Gresham here. Our number is 866-825-5486. Or just dial one, Tom, talk, guns. Pretty simple. Let's see. We're starting to see a lot of action in the courts and a lot of action, a lot of places, as a result of the McDonald case coming down from the Supreme Court, well, not quite a month ago. Of course, the McDonald case was the one that said the Second Amendment applies to states and cities, that states and cities have to follow the Second Amendment, that's your your right to keep and bear arms. So we have in Pennsylvania the uh, Ole Township supervisors plan to repeal 
their measure making it illegal to carry firearms into municipal buildings. Supervisors moved quickly to withdraw the ordinance after gun advocates pointed to a state law that they contend prohibits counties and municipalities from regulating the lawful ownership and possession of firearms. A lot of this stuff going on. We'll be talking about that as we go through the next uh, couple of hours here. A lot of things going on. I'll also touch on that shooting in Las Vegas where a concealed carry holder was shot and killed by the police. A lot of questions there about what went on. Of course, there's an investigation going on, and a lot of people are, how, how do we put this, skeptical would be the way to put They're skeptical of the ability of the police to investigate themselves. We'll see. Line three, Rick's with us in Park City, Utah. Hello, Rick. You're on Gun Talk. Thanks, Tom, for taking my call. You bet. Um, I've got a question concerning a brand-new uh, Springfield M1A that okay. I just purchased. Mm-hmm. Uh, took it to the range today, uh, loaded the clip with five rounds, uh, chambered around, pulled the trigger, nothing happened. Pulled the, uh, pulled the magazine out and the unfired round out, put in a different type of cartridge, different mm-hmm. brand of cartridge, did the same thing, no fire. Are you getting any kind of indentation on the primer? Nothing on the primer. The only thing that I saw was uh, a little mark on the outer edge of the casing uh, on one of the shells, just a, like a little scratch. Uh, but it was on the outer edge, so and you are, nothing and, on the primer. And you are getting a click. I mean, you know that it's going on. It, you're, you're pulling the trigger, and it's going click like it it's should. It's going click, right, yeah. And you are shooting. I'm going to say this is going to sound stupid. I'm not insulting you. You do have the right ammo, right caliber, right? Yes, I do. Okay. You're shooting That's 308 ammo? 308 Winchester, yeah. Okay. Um, so you've tried two, two different kinds of ammo. you got a brand-new gun. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not getting any... Primer dents. No primer dents. Er, I don't know. I mean, clearly something's not right. Yeah, did you, I mean, did you buy it locally? Did you buy it from a local uh, gun store? Well, I bought it. Uh, I bought it from a place. Uh, uh, actually, I bought it online and had it shipped to my local okay. gun store here. Sure, so understand. Came understand. in the box from Springfield Army with their. You know, with their tags and everything on it. Uh, have, have you called Springfield yet? Uh, no, because it just happened today and today's Oh, Sunday. okay. So I figured I'd call yeah. you and see if you had any info before I call them, and I'm going to call them. Well, with no primer strike, I I don't know. Uh, i tell you what. There are a lot of people listening who know a lot more about M1s than I do, and I'm going to ask for some help if you can keep listening. But if you don't get any uh, help that way, I'm going to suggest you call Springfield in the morning okay. and sort it out with them. They're good folks, and they obviously stand behind their stuff. So, But okay. let's let's do this. Let's make a call out for some ideas from uh, M1A shooters out there, people who know this platform better than I do. Maybe they'll have some thoughts for you. How's that? I appreciate that. And let me ask you one other quick question sure. in regards to uh, clips and semi-auto pistols. Uh, is there a problem with leaving rounds in there for... Uh, you know, unlimited amounts of time? You can start a bar fight asking that question. <laughs> um, I figured as much. I, here's my take on it. I just leave them in. I don't worry about it. I don't, I don't think springs, modern springs take a set. There are other people who disagree. And some people say, look, if it worries you, just, you know, springs are cheap. Replace the springs every five years or so. Okay. Uh, frankly, I have magazines that probably have been loaded for at least 10 years. Wow. Okay. Uh, now, 
the smart thing, of course, is you need to cycle the ammo. And the only proper way to cycle ammo is to take it to the range and shoot it. Right. right. That's the only approved way of unloading a gun, by the way. Okay. <laughs> 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 the only safe way. Right? Oh, well, you know, people, just in case people don't know, I'm joking, okay, you can unload your gun a lot of different ways, but we prefer the method where you end up taking it to the range and pulling the trigger a lot. That's the, the best way to unload a gun. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, thanks, Rick. We'll see if we can round up some information for you here. All right, appreciate that. Uh, line two, Mark, Tinsley Park, Illinois. Hello, Mark, you're up. Hi. Uh, yes, sir. Tom, um, about two or three weeks ago when you had Alan Gura on, uh, the two of you were talking about lawsuits that might be brought, you know, with bad cases where mm-hmm. uh, you could wind up with bad, you know, bad cases make bad case law. The other problem with that is bad cases could wind up turning the public against us, too. Let me give you, uh, and this is just one example. There's mm-hmm. probably a gazillion examples. Uh, sooner or later... You, you and I probably figure sooner or later somebody's going to challenge the barrel length laws regarding rifles and shotguns. Right. And the problem is the way that case is likely to come to come to court is when the police arrest some bad guy and they decide the only thing they have to charge him with is possession of a short barreled shotgun. Right. And if you know, you and I probably think those laws should be unconstitutional, but. Uh, that could get the public turned against us, and I'm I'm thinking it's somebody needs point. to start looking for cases, you know, that are good cases. Well, it's an for, excellent point, and, and and you know, let me make sure people are up to speed. When Alan Gura was with us, uh, July Fourth show, he is the attorney who argued the McDonald case and the Heller case and won both of them in front of the Supreme Court. And just what you're saying, Mark, is he was saying we have to be careful about people saying, well, gee, now we have this Supreme Court decision. Let's all rush out and file these lawsuits. He also mentioned, he said, look, you're going to have a bunch of bad guys who are guilty trying to use the Second Amendment as their cover for breaking the law. We know that's going to happen. But I think you're exactly right, Mark. There's a real danger in that if people look at that and say, wait a minute, this is a, a criminal. This is a real bad guy. We know he's a bad guy. And he's trying to use this short barrel restriction where you can't have a shotgun barrel shorter than 18 inches or a rifle barrel shorter than 16 inches. And he's going to say that's unconstitutional. We don't like him. Therefore, we don't want him to win this case based on that. So back to your point, let me assure you that Alan and Alan, Alan Gottlieb and Alan Gore are working really hard to get the right kind of plaintiffs for the lawsuits, and they have a multi-step, and I'm talking about probably it's like a 12-step plan figured out of how to approach this. And they want to win the first one, then build on that, and win the second one, and then work on that. They already have two. In fact, when I come back, I'm going to have tell you about a new case that Alan Gore has just filed, a new lawsuit in New York. Big, powerful stuff. This, this is exciting stuff. Yeah, I appreciate the call there, sir. 866-TALK-GUNS. This is Gun Talk. Successful hunters know big bucks move early and late, often when it's too dark for common scopes. When that monster steps out, you might see him through the scope, but the crosshairs disappear. All that work and you can't take the shot. But with the Trigicon AccuPoint scope, you'll get the shot. Its bright aiming point glows in daylight or darkness. No batteries needed. 
AccuPoint scopes are water-resistant and nitrogen-filled, feature multi-layer coated lenses for the brightest image, and you can adjust brightness of the aiming point to match the conditions. Adding 10 or 15 minutes to each end of the day can double the magic moments when the trophies move. You can't hit the target if you can't see the sights. Trigicon AccuPoint scopes. Check out the different models at Trigicon.com or call 1-800-338-0563. Brilliant aiming solutions from Trigicon. If you want the best pistol, get a 1911. If you want the best 1911, get a Kimber. Kimber is the choice of LAPD SWAT, the USA shooting team, and United States Marines assigned to Special Operations Command. Offering nearly 100 models in a variety of calibers, Kimber is the world leader in 1911 pistols. Proudly made right here in America, Kimber is the choice of America's best. Visit KimberAmerica.com. John, how in the world are you breaking those targets so far out? I have a secret. I'm using custom loads I made on my mech loader. Custom loads? Yep. I could tailor the shot shell for the use. On these, I have long-range shells, but I often use the light recoil loads. They're comfortable, and they break targets every time. You load your own custom ammo? Sure. Even steel shot. And you can, too. Check it out at mechreloaders.com. They have all the info. Mechreloaders.com, huh? I'll do it. All right, let me uh, talk about this for a second. We talk about getting training if you're going to get a gun for concealed carry and you're going to learn how to carry it, learn how to shoot it, but there's a lot more to it. It's, we talk about what do you do if you're stopped by the police, if a traffic stop, what do you do if this, what do you do if that. If you have not thought it through, then you may or may not react correctly. And here's the thing. How you react doesn't necessarily mean doing what the police officer tells you to do. You're going to think, Tom's lost his mind. Let me explain. Uh, just this week, man was killed in the Costco parking lot in Las Vegas, shot by the police, virtually point-blank range. Uh, Eric Scott was the gentleman's name. West Point graduate, tank commander. Um, you know, I mean, this, is, this was an upright guy. Store employee... Uh, he's down, uh, Eric is down on the floor uh, doing something with some Gatorade bottles, and store employee sees uh, his gun's exposed somehow. He's a concealed carry gun. He calls the police. Police get there, evacuate the whole store for a call of a man with a gun. Give me a break. Uh, they, the story goes, and it's going to be investigated, of course, that the police end up essentially almost surrounding Eric in the parking lot with all these people around. And multiple officers are screaming. One of them is yelling, get down, get down, get down, get down, get down, get down. And the other is saying, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun. Which one are you supposed to do? Now, he didn't, he does not even have the gun in his hand. Okay? Guns in his holster on his belt. It appears at this point. It appears that he reached to get his gun to follow the command of drop the gun. And in doing so, he got shot and killed by a police officer who thought he was pulling a gun on them. 
it is very common for more than one officer to be giving you conflicting orders. And they scream them loudly, and they scream them so fast, if you've ever watched any of these dash cam tapes, that you don't have a chance to respond verbally. And anything you say is, if you don't do what they are telling you, they see that as non-compliance. Non-compliance means you're about to get whacked with a taser or maybe shot with a 9mm. Non-compliance. You didn't do what we told you to do. But if you're told to do two different things and they are conflicting, you're going to be non-compliant to one or more of the officers. Eric Scott is dead. Now, here's the question for you. Have you thought this through? What do you do in that situation? Well, I would welcome officers. I know we had a lot of police officers who listened to this. I'd love to get their take on it. Here's my take on it. If I'm getting an officer screaming at me and pointing a gun at me, or multiple officers pointing guns at me and screaming at me, and sometimes you can't even tell what they're saying, what I'm going to do is nothing. I'm not going to move. I'm going to very slowly, I mean very slowly, move my hands up and above my head. They're going to be up until they can figure out what they want me to do, or I can figure out what they want me to do, and at least at that point, I appear to be non-threatening. Now, if they think I'm non-compliant, maybe they'll shoot me with a taser. Maybe they'll knock me down to the ground. But maybe they won't shoot me and kill me. I've had a lot of people say, take offense. I've had law enforcement officers take offense when I say, at a traffic stop, your life is in danger. They say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. I said, no, it's not. Let me, let me pose this to you. If this shoot is found to be an error... If these officers are found to have shot and killed this man in error, do you think any of them are going to go to the penitentiary? Or do you think they're going to say, whoops, well, you know, we were following procedures, and that's just kind of the way it goes. It's going to be number two. Reverse that. If you accidentally shoot a police officer, wrong person, wrong something, do you think they're going to say, well, that's just the way it goes? You know, we're going to we're going to put a letter in your jacket and a reprimand. I don't think so. So for those who are thinking, I'm going to get me a concealed carry gun, and I know how to shoot, and so therefore I know what I need to know, I go back to my thing that I always fall back on, training, working with people who are in the business, work with law enforcement officers. Do you talk with people who teach this stuff? Do you think about this a lot? It is a total change in the way you live your life. And if you're not ready for that, you're not ready for that. I don't know what's going to happen in this thing in Las Vegas. It doesn't feel right to me at this point. But I've been around long enough to know that you don't know all of what went on. All of a sudden, we're starting to hear that some of the surveillance tapes are not quite right or maybe can't be viewed my antenna go up. Maybe it's because I'm from Louisiana. Maybe because they've just charged a whole bunch of police officers with killing people, murdering people. Cops have pled guilty to shooting people in the back while they're running away. A bunch of them have now been charged with crimes. Maybe it's with that background that I'm saying, oh, the video is suddenly not readable? Oh, gee whiz. You'll just pardon me if I'm just a wee bit 
skeptical. And for all of you who have carry permits, file that one away and give some thought to what you're going to do when the police pull their guns on you. with the 866-TALK-GUNS. Uh, a little bit later in the show, i got to tell you about one of the coolest operations taking place over at CalGuns.net. Uh, something they did, they well, basically hornswoggled a bunch of anti-gun lawyers. Uh, it's a it's a great story. Wait till you hear this thing. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, right now, let's go to line four. Steven's with us out of Carson City, Nevada. Steven, you're on Gun Talk. Hi. I've been a long-time listener, first-time caller, a little bit nervous. but Not a problem. Let's just chat. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you about a couple experiences I've had being pulled over uh, with my concealed carry permit carrying a gun. Um, one was in Las Vegas. Um, I uh, was coming out of a casino, and uh, there was a girl sitting on the, on the uh, steps there crying, and I asked her what the problem was, and she said she lost all her money and she couldn't get a ride home. She lived across town, so... I said, okay, I'll give you a ride home, and being the gentleman that I am. And, and um, we went to some really bad neighborhood, it turns out, with a lot of drugs and gun, gun crimes and things like that, and ended up getting pulled over there. And um, the, the policeman came up to the car, and, of course, I do what I always do when I get pulled over, is I put my hands, palms up on the top of the steering wheel so they can see where they are. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he comes up to the window and, and um, immediately recognizes the woman. I guess she's had some trouble with the law there. Mm-hmm. And um, and he uh, he asked me what I'm doing with her, and I told her I'm giving her a ride home. And, and uh, you know, he didn't believe me. He thought that I was um, partaking of her services. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's okay. But uh, David, you know, let, let me let me do this. We don't have time for the long version, okay? Okay, all right. Thanks. Well, anyway, um, because of my attitude, because of the way I, I presented myself and asked the police officers, I, you know, I'm going to be reaching with my right hand for my registration. I'm going to be reaching with my left hand behind me for my driver's license. And then he said, by the way, do you have a gun on you? And I said, I have a CCW for the state of Nevada, and yes, I do have a gun on me. And that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth is the, I, if the police officer asks if I have a gun, which is 99% of the time, uh, if I am carrying, I let the policeman know that I have a CCW right up front. And uh, I just think that that calms them down a lot more than, yeah, I got a gun, what's what of it, you know? Right. Yeah, no, no. I always tell people I have a permit. So understand, I do not like the term CCW because, remember, most people don't know what that means. Yeah, and, and I, I by saying that, I mean I have a concealed carry. Yeah, I, I have a permit. Yeah, I'd like to say, instead of saying I have a gun, say I have a permit. So uh, real quick, we've got about a minute left. So what was the upshot of that? Well, the upshot is uh, um, they let me go, and um, and everything was fine, and just just because I told the truth and, and the way that I presented myself as a non-threatening person to the police officer. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you one bit of advice. I'm sure you already have figured this one out. Next time, give the girl a 20 for a cab. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, because th- th- that's a perfect setup 
for somebody. It's absolutely perfect. Girl's crying. You're going to help her out. You're the nice guy. And all of a sudden, you have been set up for either a rape charge, an assault charge, or you get mugged. I mean, I hate to say that we shouldn't be helping other people, but you also have to be protecting yourself and your family and everything else. Give the lady a 20. Call her a cab. Do whatever it takes. But do not take a stranger like that into your car outside of a casino, for goodness sakes. So, yeah. so you know, Steve, listen, I appreciate it. We're just flat out of time. I, uh, and it's a chance for us to learn a little bit about it from, you know, your experience. But, yeah, you need to have a plan if you are carrying a gun in your car, in your truck, on your person. What's going to happen if the police come up? You know, do you have a plan how you're going to go through this? It shouldn't be a big issue. And it won't be a big issue if you conduct yourself, I like to say, professionally. Do it in a professional manner. You know, yes, I have a firearm perm, a permit for my concealed firearm. The gun is on my hip. Officer, how would you like to proceed? Make sure he understands that you know he is in charge. 866-TALK-GUNS. 